Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we share the story of Lavina Johnson, a 19-year-old young woman who enlisted in the Army after she graduated from high school. Six weeks after she arrived for her first tour of duty in Iraq, she was found in her tent with a gunshot wound to the head. The Army ruled her death a suicide, but her autopsy revealed that something else happened. Was her murder a cover-up? This is Lavina's story. Lavina Johnson grew up in a tight-knit family. She was one of five children, and they lived with their mom, Linda, and dad, John, who was an Army veteran. Lavina grew up in Missouri, and at a young age, she was described by her family as being really smart and very disciplined. As soon as Lavina started school, she was a good student, who other children loved to be around. In fifth grade, Lavina showed interest in political issues. And being such a compassionate person who loved animals, Lavina, at just 11 years old, became a member of PETA. Lavina was also a vegetarian and had joined an organization that advocated for alternative ways to consume meat. In high school, Lavina was really popular. She was a part of a lot of different activities in high school, and she would be seen at sporting events with her father and doing things with her sister, and she was well-known and well-liked. According to Lavina's family, her initial plans were to go to college. And in preparation for this, she stayed on the honor roll the entire four years she was in high school. 
Lavina had a list of things that she wanted to do with her life, but she had decided that she was going to go to the army because she didn't want her parents to have to incur the expense of her going to college at the same time as her sister, Lakeisha, who was younger than her. And that's the kind of daughter and person that Lavina was. And despite her parents' objections, she knew that going to the army was the best decision for her. Her father had been in the army, so for her, it was almost like carrying on a tradition. She also wanted to serve her country, and she thought being in the army would help her be able to make a difference. Lavina always wanted to make a difference. In 2004, Lavina graduated from high school, and in September of that year, instead of enrolling in college, she enlisted in the army. Lavina spent eight weeks in basic training in Fort Jackson in South Carolina. And growing up with a father who was in the Army had kind of prepared Lavina for boot camp. And at her graduation, her drill sergeant told her parents that they knew that she had grown up in a disciplined home because of how well she did during boot camp. In May 2005, Lavina would go for her first tour of duty. She was stationed in Balad, Iraq. And while in Iraq, Ivina, uh, Lavina worked in communications. And according to her father, she called home almost every day. But on July 17th, Lavina was more excited than usual to call home because she had found out that she would be coming home for Christmas. Her father recalled her telling them not to decorate the Christmas tree until she got there. But that was the last time that Lavina's family would speak to her. Six weeks after arriving in Iraq, Lavina's parents received a visit from an army soldier. On July 19, 2005, just two days after they last spoke to Lavina, they are told that their 19-year-old daughter, eight days shy of her 20th birthday, has died. The Army told her family that she died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound from her service weapon, which is an M16 rifle. Now, when John, Lavina's dad, asked the soldier if he was implying that Lavina had killed herself, the soldier would only say that her death was, quote, under investigation. And two days later, the Army's casualty liaison comes to the Johnson home and tells her father that they should have a closed casket which implied that Lavina's head or face had sustained severe trauma, and that's why they wouldn't be able to have an open casket. But when the family goes to view the body in preparation for the funeral, Lakeisha, Lavina's younger sister, was the first to notice. And when she sees her sister in the casket, she automatically knew something was wrong. According to John, Lakeisha started yelling and basically saying that someone had beat her sister up. She could see the bruises on her face. And this was the first clear indication that there was more to the story than Lavina just killed herself. Lavina was buried with full military honors and laid to rest at Jefferson Barrack National Cemetery. But even as the Army honored his daughter, John knew in his gut that Lavina was murdered. Her father, an army vet himself, also knew that the way they say she killed herself was very suspicious to him. Lavina was a petite girl, 
standing only five foot one and weighing around 100 pounds. So putting a 40-inch gun in her mouth and pulling the trigger would be a very difficult thing for her to do. And because John is suspicious about the circumstances of his daughter's death, he had asked the mortician if he had noticed anything strange, particularly under her fingernails. You know, anything that might indicate a struggle. But according to John, the mortician tells him that the gloves are glued on to her hands, which is extremely weird. And they say they have never seen anything like that before. So needless to say, based on everything the Johnson family is alleging, the bruises on her face, the suspicion about the self-inflicted gunshot wound, and the gloves glued to her hand, this family was not going to believe that their daughter killed herself. But could they prove it? After a lengthy 10-month investigation, the Army concluded that Lavina's death was a suicide. But the Army did not release all of the information to the family. They were refusing to give them access to the investigation files or the autopsy photos. Frustrated and desperate for answers, in 2007, the Johnson family had Lavina's body exhumed so they could have a second autopsy performed. The second autopsy revealed that Lavina's neck had indeed been broken. It also said that parts of Lavina's genitals had been surgically removed during the first autopsy, none of which was disclosed to the family or included in their report. The Johnson family fought the Army for information for over two years. And after support from local representatives and requesting the files via the Freedom of Information Act, access was granted to the file with the information surrounding their daughter's death. Now, the Army's official story was that Lavina was upset over a recent breakup. They claimed that a boyfriend that she had been dating for about two months had broken up with her via email, and that Lavina, upset, had printed out these emails and put them in her pocket. They then claimed that she accompanied another soldier, a male soldier, and they went to purchase M&Ms and a six-pack of soda from the store that's on the base. The Army said that Lavina and the unnamed male soldier go back to the barracks, but then Lavina leaves shortly after they arrive, carrying her M16 with her, according to the Army. Lavina then is said to have gone to a tent that belonged to a military contractor. So it wasn't Lavina's tent. It was actually a tent that belonged to a military contractor, where they alleged that she found an aerosol can and that she used that to set these emails that she had had in her pocket on fire. According to the Army, this is super dramatic because she sets the emails on fire and then there's reports that she also set the tent on fire as well. And then apparently after setting the letters on fire and the tent on fire, the Army says that she then takes her rifle, puts it in her mouth, and pulls the trigger. Now, a shell casing is found near her leg, but it was not from the bullet that allegedly killed her. 
Now, apparently, according to Lavina's dad, that all contradicted what the army had told them about where they found Lavina. Because they had initially told her family that she killed herself in the barracks. But that wasn't the only inconsistency in the army report. The investigation itself did not match up with what the father was seeing in the crime scene and autopsy photos. Lavina's father, John, noticed from the autopsy photos that the bullet wound in Lavina's head was too small to have come from an M16. Now, I'm, of course, no gun expert, so I had to look up what an M16 was so I could get a full understanding of what kind of gun Lavina was carrying. Now, the M16 is a very powerful gun, hence why it is issued to soldiers in war zones. It's also a very long gun. And I watched a few videos of people shooting at watermelons using these weapons, and the watermelons were exploding from like 40 and 50 feet away. So not only does it seem unlikely to me that at just 5'1", she would be able to maneuver that weapon in a way that she could shoot herself in the mouth, the likelihood of her basically blowing her head off is extremely high due to the high power nature of the weapon and the idea that she shot herself at such a close range. And according to her father, the wound Lavina suffered was in the front of her head above her eyebrows, not in her mouth with an exit wound out of the back of her head, like the army had said. And that was inconsistent because the army initially told them that she shot herself in the mouth and that they believed that the bully had exited the back of her head. But the wound that's on her forehead is the gun is a gunshot wound, and it's more consistent with a bullet that was shot from a nine millimeter and not an M16. Now, I'm sure never in a million years did John, an army vet himself, think that the army would lie about his daughter's death. But the evidence was starting to point in a different direction than what the army had initially indicated. Now, remember, Lakeisha, Lavina's younger sister, noticed that Lavina's body did have bruises on her face. And in the Army's autopsy, they did make note of what they called, quote, non-serious injuries to her face, including a busted lip, broken teeth, and scratch marks on her neck, which you would think would raise red flags for the Army that something else happened to Lavina, because if she committed suicide, who busted her lip? Who, like, who broke her teeth? The autopsy photos, however, according to John, showed that his daughter had been through hell. The photos, according to John, showed that Lavina had scratches on her upper and lower torso, and there were also visible teeth marks on her body. The injuries that she sustained were consistent with a beating, including what looked like a broken nose. John claimed that her nose had apparently been surgically repaired after she was already dead. Now, all of these injuries are consistent with a beating and not just a gunshot wound to the head. Her father said it looked like someone had also used some kind of corrosive liquid and poured it on Lavina's genitals as well, as well. Now, the Army never explained where these other injuries came from to Lavina's family. 
Lavina's family also said that the crime scene photos showed that there was a trail of blood outside the tent and debris on Lavina's back that indicated that she was possibly drugged into the tent. But the army had reported that there was no blood found outside the tent and there was only blood found inside of the tent. There were also discrepancies about the weapon found at the scene. Her family claimed that the weapon found in the tent was not Lavina's service weapon. They said that the gunshot residue tests came back insufficient and that the bullet that killed Lavina was never found. Lavina's family is absolutely sure that their daughter was raped and murdered and that the army was covering it up. The army, of course, vehemently denied any of these allegations, and they asserted that their investigation was thorough, and they stood by their conclusion that Lavina's death was a suicide. The army never provides any answers about the bruises on Lavina's face, nor do they ever acknowledge, as far as I could find, that she had been sexually assaulted. And if, you know, this case is not strange enough and and there's not enough contradictory parts of this case, the medical examiner who performed the second autopsy gives an interview to the LA Times in 2009. And he says that he concluded that Lavina had died of a gunshot wound fired through her mouth, but that he was unable to determine if it was self-inflicted. And he claimed that Lavina's family did not provide him with the crime scene photos or other material because the Johnsons did not receive the crime scene photos at that time. And he makes no mention of the other injuries Lavina sustained and simply tells the LA Times that he saw no evidence that, quote, a gun, that the gunshot wound was not self-inflicted. Now, the special agents that conducted this investigation were from the Army's Criminal Investigation Command. They're also known as CIC. And they're charged with investigating soldiers' death and other crimes that take place within the Army. They are like the equivalent to, you know, CBS's show, NCIS, you know, the NCIS show. They're the, they're the equivalent to the Navy's version of NCIS, which, of course, investigates naval crimes. Um, the CIC investigates crimes that happen in the Army. And so the CIC defends its findings by saying that it also used witness testimony and that the witnesses has rep had reported that Lavina was dressed, um, was depressed over this breakup. They also said that it's very possible for Lavina to have shot herself and that her wound was consistent with a bullet fired from an M16. The Army documents did, however, note that her commanding officer had described Lavina as always smiling and that they didn't see any signs that indicated that she was depressed. You know, and sometimes, actually, you know, a lot of times when people are suffering from depression, you know, they're able to function. And a lot of times, you know, people around them don't even necessarily know that they are depressed. So, you know, it could always be that. But in this case, they were saying that she was at least expressing that she was sad because they claimed that they had witnesses who said that she was depressed. And I just think that's odd. I mean, for them to describe it as depression instead of just being perhaps sad or maybe even heartbroken, depression just seems like an exaggeration. And that just strikes me as strange. Another thing that I found weird was that there seems to be no information about 
liked his boyfriend or what he said or who he was. Of course, the boyfriend is mentioned repeatedly in almost every article about Lavina, but there was no information about who he was. In the years following Lavina's death, her father John became what some would describe as obsessed and others would describe as a heartbroken, determined father. And he spent the majority of his time investigating what he said was his daughter's rape and murder. Linda Johnson, Lavina's mom, pretty much stayed away from the investigation her husband was conducting. You know, the images and the thoughts of her daughter's last moments were way too painful for her to relive over and over again. Now, if you've never heard of Lavina's story, or if you have heard of it and wondered why you've never seen a Dateline episode about this case, it's because the mainstream media largely stayed away from this story. In an article written about Lavina's death by John Lasker, an independent journalist, he revealed that the mainstream media was being silenced. The article states that both CBS News' 60 Minutes and ABC News both investigated what happened to Lavina. According to him, both news organizations, despite spending thousands of hours interviewing the Johnsons and gathering evidence, chose not to run her story. The article also states that John Johnson told him that 60 Minutes had even paid for the exhumation of Lavina's body for the second autopsy. But Lavina's father said that the Pentagon was threatening to pull advertising dollars from these networks if they ran the story. The article also asserts that the Pentagon had indeed been intimidating reporters and editors working on Lavina's story. It goes on to say that Essence magazine had been threatened to have their military ad funding pulled if they ran the story. And the alleged tactics worked, and Essence ended up publishing what the article described as a, quote, watered-down version of the story. Essence claims that they rely heavily on military advertisement as a part of their, you know, ability to survive as a publication. And, you know, if that's true, that's really, really, really crazy and only adds to the theory and the suspicion that this was a cover-up. Six years after Lavina's death, her family still had not given up finding answers about what happened to their daughter. And it had to have been increasingly lonely for the Johnsons. And because it, it seemed like, you know, no one was really listening. And those that were, were hesitant to tell the story. In July 2011, an independent agency called Cold Case Investigation Research Institute, also known as CCIRI, they look into high-profile cases. And they chose Lavina's case. They usually select about one case a year. Now, there's conflicting information about whether or not they chose Lavina's case or if it was done at the request of the family. But either way, CCIRI decided to investigate. And they hired their own experts on suicide as well as ballistic experts to investigate what happened to Lavina. The CCIRI taking up Lavina's case gave the Johnsons a lot of hope that having this independent agency investigating Lavina's death might finally have the truth come out. Like The truth might finally come out having this agency doing an independent investigation. In the article by John Lacker, he said that the experts who looked at the photos 
all had serious doubts that Lavina had killed herself. He quotes Cheryl McCullough, the director of the CCIRI, as saying, quote, there's no question that the military's investigation and conclusion of suicide has problems. If there are any signs of murder, you can't automatically call it suicide. In 2015, the CCIRI released their findings. Now, it usually, according to CCIRI, takes a year to investigate a case, but they claim that it took them three years to investigate this case. And despite what was said in 2011 when they first began their investigation, the CCIRI ultimately sided with the Army and concluded that Lavina's death was a suicide. In 2015, in an article published by the St. Louis Public Radio, they interviewed Cheryl McCullough, and she said, quote, there is a problem. Number one, the way the notification happened and the lack of information given to the family fast enough. But there was nothing about this case that we could go back to the Army to say, you need to relook at it. We didn't have anything new. We didn't have anything that suggested wrongdoing. And, you know, that's not exactly what she said in 2011. And the CCIRI does not publish the results of their investigations, and they claim that they operated independently and did not work for either the Army or the Johnsons. But their conclusion has, you know, was yet another blow to Lavina's family, who had hoped that this report would open up the door for the Army to reinvestigate what happened to Lavina. But it didn't. And although they said that they are an independent organization, her family can't help but think that the military might have gotten to them too. After the CCIRI's conclusion, there were no more official investigations that take place regarding Lavina's death. And no one with any influence was publicly supporting the Johnsons in their quest for justice. Despite the St. Louis Public Radio's claim that Lavina's case was covered extensively by mainstream media, that simply is not true. If so, where is all the coverage? Where are all the articles? Well, most of my research for this case came from independent journalists and interviews that her father did with websites. The facts surrounding the death of Lavina Johnson are incredibly sad and suspicious. The fact that the Army ruled this a suicide from the beginning may have clouded their judgment, or maybe this was just an outright cover-up by the U.S. Army to protect some high-ranking soldier or contractor, perhaps. Well, we don't know everything about Lavina's story, but we do know that in the 16 years since she was found dead in a tent in Iraq, no one close to the Army's investigation has ever come forward to either confirm or dispute what happened that day. With cases like these, the pressure from the public can be key in getting answers. And in recent years, Lavina's case has been talked about more thanks to social media. But I can't help but wonder if Lavina's death had occurred in today's climate, would the results have been the same? The Johnson family wasn't the only family whose loved one had died under mysterious circumstances while on a military base. 
In the years following Lavina's death, many families, particularly families of women in the military, who were told their daughters committed suicide, but then were given insufficient evidence or no evidence at all to support a suicide took place, began to come forward. These families, too, are seeking justice and answers about what happened to these women. The prevalence of sexual assault in the military has also become a more popular topic in recent years, and the military has come under fire for the way that they have handled these incidents. In April 2020, the disappearance of Vanessa Guillen from Fort Hood in Texas set off a social media frenzy with people all over the country tweeting and sharing Vanessa's picture, demanding answers about how a soldier could just disappear from an army base. Two months later, Vanessa's remains were found, dismembered and buried. A fellow soldier was the one who was accused of murdering her. But before her death, Vanessa had complained about her claims of sexual harassment being dismissed. The man accused of murdering Vanessa and dismembering her body killed himself. Vanessa's mom, however, believes that his death is part of a larger cover-up to keep him from telling the whole truth. The outrage surrounding the murder of Vanessa helped to shed light on how the military fails when it comes to protecting their female soldiers. There was an investigation surrounding the circumstances of Vanessa's death, and as a result, 14 commanders and other leaders at Fort Hood were disciplined, citing a failure of leadership. And in December 2020, the Secretary of the Army said that Vanessa's murder, quote, shocked our conscience and brought attention to a deeper problem at Fort Hood and across the Army more widely. He said that it, quote, forced us to take a critical look at our systems, our policies, and ourselves. But as for Lavina's death, her family still waits. Perhaps this new reckoning on behalf of the Army will allow Lavina's case to be reopened. You know, all it takes is for someone in the right place to realize that the inconsistencies in this story coupled with what we know about the Army's conduct by their own admission after Vanessa Guillen's murder, is a reason why this case should be reopened and reexamined. And you can listen to this story and draw your own conclusions about what you think really happened to Lavina Johnson. But regardless of what the Army has said about this case, the suicide theory just does not add up. Something happened to Lavina Johnson on July 18th, 2005. Her family deserves to get the whole truth. And because of that, until they are satisfied and until they have the answers they need to find their peace, we must continue to tell her story. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. Don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps our show grow so we can continue to tell these stories. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.